In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Perhaps it's good to end our summer and to get back to work by once again remembering that this place is a hospital and not a spa. Spas are good for some things, for your comfort, for your pleasure, and for your happiness. At the spa, they've got just the right smells, just the right sounds, just the right washes and stretches and rubs and temperatures. Hospitals, on the other hand, rarely make anybody's list of favorite things. The smells, the sounds, and the ways they are forced to wash you, the stretches and the rubs, and the temperatures are almost always offensive, if not painful. A couple minutes in the burn unit is enough to make you hope that nobody ever touches you again. And when you've had your knee replaced, the physical therapist doesn't really ask how far you'd like to have it stretched out. At the hospital, they all just go to work, everybody doing their job, regardless of what anybody thinks, regardless of how it feels, it must be done. The church is like a hospital, and the truth is, a lot of the time, it's uncomfortable to be a Christian. It's even painful for you and for me. Today, in the first reading, Jeremiah feels that pain. He knows down deep that the Lord understands. He knows down deep that the Lord remembers him. That the Lord cares, the Lord comes, delivers, rescues, and saves. That's verses 15 and 20. But Jeremiah also knows that all along the way, being Jeremiah is a rather painful experience. I suffer. I sit alone. My pain is unending. My wound is desperate. It may be incurable. Perhaps this will be the end of me. Verses 17 and 18. And of course, pain doesn't sell. And so today the church has often abandoned this way of talking and this way of living. Today the church is often sold as something that will make your life better or cleaner or easier. But the truth is, that can only be guaranteed on one day for you, and that day is your death day. From now until then, from the time you become a Christian, and as Jeremiah says in the Old Testament reading, from the time that you bear the name of the Lord God Almighty, from the time you are baptized until the day you die, life is really up for grabs. And for most folks, it is more like a roller coaster than a steady ascent. And I really think that you and I ought to come to grips with that so that we have a realistic picture of what the church is meant to be and realistic expectations about our lives together. With Paul in the epistle for today, we so often mouth the words, 
present your body as a living sacrifice. But the trouble is, while the living part regularly gets full play, the church is about living, that living often gets translated into what the world esteems as living. Just the right smells, just the right sounds, just the right washes and stretches and rubs and temperatures and pleasures, and the sacrifice is regularly unnoticed. I suppose that all of this can be explained. I suppose that we are children, or perhaps even victims of our times. The modern world promised to make our lives comfortable, pleasant, and happy, and to do that without reference to God. The 18th century, and then the 19th, and then most of the 20th century promised that reason would show the way. It promised that science and technology and progress and knowledge are always good, and they would make us better, without reference to God. But after 300 years of that, midway through the last century, we finally realized that there was just as much crime and pollution and hate and racism and war as ever, and maybe more, as psychiatric wards filled up and we found new and clever ways to blow each other up. And genocide continued, and more Christians were martyred in the 20th century than all the previous centuries combined. And the Internet, our technological marvel, shows profit primarily and survives primarily because of the profits from gambling and pornography. After 300 years, we realized that it hasn't been that comfortable or pleasant or happy. So now we say we are wiser, and we are in rebellion against the last 300 years. We are not modern. We are now postmodern. That is what we say about ourselves. And in this world... Since reason cannot be trusted, nothing is sure but my perspective, nothing sure but my feelings. And everything now seems to have been translated into personal preference, from sex to stem cells to spirituality to science. If you don't believe me, a few weeks ago there was a book review in the Wall Street Journal that posed the question of whether or not the formulation E equals MC squared is a sexist formulation. Even science is not exempt. Everything now is challenged as a matter of taste, of perspective, and at the end of the day, all that is still determined by our comfort, our pleasure, and our happiness without reference to God. There is really no difference, is there, between modern and postmodern? When you and I are still the measure of all things, 
whether for 300 years the measure is our unforgiven reason, or for the last 50 years the measure is our unforgiven emotion. We are still the measure of all things, and if we are the measure of all things, then we are most certainly doomed. It is painful to hear that, I know, and I am well aware that pain does not sell. But your pastor can hardly help you if he lies to you, can he? It is no day to spare your minds or your feelings. That would only let you be happy now, perhaps, but then die forever. So there must be another way out. There must be hope. This is, after all, the church. Paul has it right. Living only makes sense when it means sacrifice. And sacrifice only makes sense when it means holy and pleasing to God. And holy and pleasing to God only makes sense when it means Jesus Christ particularly the Jesus Christ that is given to us in the gospel appointed for this day. This Jesus, whom Peter so quickly and clearly identified a few weeks ago as the son of the living God, is on his way to Calvary today. Jesus Christ has set his face to Jerusalem. He is on the way to be a sacrifice to the living God who is his father. That doesn't make sense, says St. Peter. Having the Messiah die makes no sense at all. It makes no intellectual sense. Very modern, that Peter. And it doesn't feel good either. Very postmodern. But Jesus pushes Peter aside. His unforgiven, satanic, modern reason and his unforgiven, satanic, postmodern emotion. Behind me, Satan, because Jesus will stumble over neither of those on his way to the cross. He will not be deflected. To the cross, he says, to death for your sins, not because it makes sense for God to die. It doesn't make sense. And not because it makes sense or feels good for anyone to be crucified. It does not feel good. But because the church is like a hospital where everybody who is faithful goes to work, where everybody who is faithful just does their job, regardless of what anybody thinks and regardless of how it feels because it is the holy thing to do and it pleases the living God. From this day on, you will have Jesus or you will not. You will have him whole cloth or you will have him not at all. You will have his pain or you will not. You will have his cross or you will not. You will have his death or you will not. You will have his resurrection or not. You will have yourself a hospital or you will have yourself a spa. You will have him 
or you will just have yourself. That's all there is, really. Best would be if you come round to what Paul speaks of as the discerning life in verse 2 of the epistle. You see with your intellect the pattern of the present world. You feel its pull rife with self-interest. You know deep down that it is dedicated to your pleasure, not to God's. And you are lured toward comfort, toward happiness. And yet, by the will and wisdom and work of the Holy Spirit, you discern that that is death and not life. You discern that by God's external standard, by His Ten Commandments, by His cross, by His Son, that is death and not life. It is all bad. It is all wicked. It all needs to be confessed. It all needs to be redeemed. And it all needs to be forgiven. The only hope we've got is a Jesus who is beyond modern. Even beyond what is postmodern. The only hope we've got is a Jesus who is beyond ourselves. Who is post postmodern, if you will, because once it's all forgiven, this is you, once it is all forgiven, once your reason is forgiven, once your emotions are forgiven, once you are forgiven whole lot, reason and emotion, and the Lord gives you back these forgiven things, then, and only then, can your reason and your emotion be counted as good? And perhaps then, you and all you are, reason and emotion, both forgiven, can be drawn into the service of God. Then perhaps he can have good use of you and of us together in this place as church. Not only for us, but also as witness to others. And then Jeremiah can rejoice in the day that the Lord made him a prophet, though the Lord made him this hard bronze wall, though the Lord made him uncomfortable and pained and so alone so much of the time, ridiculed and endangered, but right. Hospital, not spa. And Paul can rejoice on the day that he set off for Damascus, and then was set off his horse, living the rest of his life, bearing the marks of Christ in his body, and dying that way too, martyred, but true, post-postmodern. And you, on that last great certain day, your death day, History stops, modern and postmodern. And the spa is out of business, thank God. And even the hospital is closed. Because on that day in Eden, Eden has no need for anything. But until then, back to work. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.